Jason Louis actually should be teaching this class. He yeah. actually has taken constitutional law much more recently than us. That's true. Louis, but Louis, come teach the class. <laughs> so, um, so uh, anyway, uh, Jason and I were. Uh, uh, I know my hair is going quicker than Jason's, but he's actually like a That's lot right. older than I am. Uh, but he was involved in campus ministry at uh, SIUE over in Edwardsville. I don't know, like 15 years ago, something. That's generous. I like that. Sorry. I'll take 15. Years Whatever ago. he says. <laughs> I, I, I was involved. I went to undergrad at Lindenwood here. It's here in St. Charles, and where uh, Carrie was talking about earlier today, back in 2002 or something like that. You know, and I was like one of the first. We started the church plant there. And at the time, it was like me and Maria, I think, were the only students like on campus. It was very, very small back then. Um, Maria so. went to SIUE first, so she knows how to read. Right. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Jason and I ended up going to school at SLU here in St. Louis together, uh, going to law school. Um, uh, I do uh, insurance defense. And I defend businesses and personal injury lawsuits and stuff like that. Jason handles workers' compensation mostly. Um, but... Uh, so uh, we um, uh, wanted to uh, let you, you want to, you were going to do the disclaimer? The, oh, the disclaimer, the part that says, uh, we are not actually your attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> we are not giving you legal advice. What? <laughs> uh, uh, if you, uh, you can't hold us to any of this, okay? Everyone's uh, factual situations are different and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so uh, also, and more importantly, uh, this isn't the type of law we practice, so what you know, what you're going to hear from us is consists of about uh, uh, 15 years of faulty memory from constitutional law and um, two or three hours of research. <laughs> the choice of a lawyer is an important decision. It should not be based solely upon advertising. <laughs> so, that's what you have to say if you, here in Missouri if you, if you advertise on TV. So you always see like... You know, like the truck slammer comes up, ah, kill the truck drivers or whatever, and then it's like the choice of So anyway, um, uh, so uh, we're going to talk today about why to live under the law and what the Bible says about our relationship to the law, um, what the laws say, and finally, um, how we how we we live uh, under the law and on our campuses. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to start off by talking about just first off, why uh, why do we have to live under the law? All right. Um, but before that, because this gets uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid this is going to get boring. Uh, I want to start off with what everyone's favorite jokes are about lawyers. So what's the difference between a jellyfish and a lawyer? Uh, there, one is a spineless, poisonous creature, and the other one lives in the sea. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and how, many, how many lawyer jokes are there? Does anyone know? No, uh, there's three. The rest are all true stories. Okay. Um, there, that's, that's, that is as interesting as this as topic gets. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the question is, why do we have to live under the law? Uh, and one of the things that, that, that Chandler and I, as we were talking about this, that I think the Bible makes abundantly clear is that God has called us to live um, in obedience and, and submission to the authorities around us. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 12 and 13, uh, Peter writes, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. And so as I was looking at that verse, one of the translations I looked at said instead of every human authority, it said every human institution. And I, I submit to you that uh, when you are on a college university campus, that is an institution that has authority over you. Right? You have, uh, when you're in class, you have professors that are there to grade you, and you may not like them, you may not agree with them, you may, they may be, uh, in your opinion, the most toxic people in the world, but they have authority over you. And you have a student government that, if it was anything like the student government at SIUE, has almost zero power whatsoever. It is like, just, they pretend, they're like, well, we're, we're, the, student, we're the student council, we're the student senator, we're the student, you aren't anything, okay? You're whatever the president of the university says you'd want to be that day. But, uh, as far as student organizations go, right, you want to have an event, you want to get some money, you want to have something approved, they have authority over you. And so they're an institution, and, and I think that one of the things that God calls us to do is to submit and be obedient to the institution and the authorities that are above us. And mind you, we're lucky, I, I don't know where everybody in this room is from, 
most of us are lucky enough that we live in the United States where that's not usually a huge deal, right? There's not usually a really big choice that we have to make between that. Um, but Peter doesn't write that to people living in the United States. Right? He, he writes that to people that are Roman citizens. Well, actually, I take that. He writes that to people that are Roman subjugates. All right? Most of them aren't even Roman citizens. So one of the things we're going to talk about in a, in a, in a minute is, is about Paul and how he responded to things. And Rome had, not a historian, okay, but Rome had different classes of people, right? You had Roman citizens, right? And then you had people that were under Rome's um, rule, and they got to follow the rules, but they didn't have some of the rights of citizens. And then you had people who were slaves, okay? And they didn't have any rights or anything. And so you have this, this dichotomy that, that God says, look, there's these people that I've put, and he, even Peter says that the emperor is the supreme authority. Right? That sounds like an odd thing for Peter to say, don't you think? That, that he would say that the emperor, that Caesar, is a supreme authority. Um, and yet he says, that's what he says. He says, we are called to obey those people. Um, in Romans 13, 1, Paul writes and he says, Let everyone be subjected to the government authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. He goes on, because our, all, all our favorite, uh, favorite thing, uh, in, in verse 6 and 7, he says, This is also why you pay taxes. Uh, for the authorities are God's servants, and uh, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And so one of the things that, as, as a lawyer, um, a lot of t this, is, this is a personal conviction. A lot of people will call judges, they'll say, your honor, right? Because that's mostly because they have political connections enough to give them a black robe. And so they are up there, and I won't call a judge your honor because that's a personal conviction that, that I have that I think that that's something that I reserve for God. But I will always call a judge by their title, whether it's judge or justice. Um, and it doesn't matter how wrong I think they are or how unfair I think they're being. Uh, whatever it might be, I always will treat a judge with that respect because that is the position that they've been, they've been given. Um, and that's something that... Um, that God calls us to do, even even if we don't like the government. You know, Carrie just got done talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there was a king, Nebuchadnezzar, right? And king Nebuchadnezzar made an awful law, and they and they decided we're going to talk more about this in a second. That's a law we can't follow. But what what Paul says is that there is no authority except what God has established. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to be king. Okay, He established that, and I I'm not. Uh, a Bible scholar, not a Bible expert. One of the things I think that why would why would God allow there to be governments, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or some governments now that don't allow people to, to practice Christianity, why would God allow those those governments to be established? And in in Daniel, right, those things are they were there specifically because they were there to punish or to bring about repentance from the nation of Israel. Right? God said to Israel, look, if you follow me uh, and you obey me and you, and you stick with me, then things are going to be great. You're going to have a nation. I'm going to make you uh, into this great nation. But if you don't, then, not, then you're going to be conquered. And that's what happens. So they get taken off to Babylon because they don't listen to God. And so even though th that rule is something that was not godly, it was, on, you know, it was evil, um, God said that he established it. Uh, in Matthew 22, Jesus, just in case we want to make sure that there's some red letter in this, Jesus said to them, uh, they're asked about taxes. He says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Uh, so Jesus says, uh, you know, Jesus too says, look, there's some things that are, that, that are Caesar's here. In Titus, uh, Paul, Paul writes again, and he tells Titus, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always gentle toward everyone. And so I think it's really clear that not only are we called to be obedient, but then the last thing is, is something we may not like because you never know who the authorities are going to be, whether they agree with you or not. But in 1 Timothy, Paul says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peacefully, uh, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, I don't know from this room, I don't, from looking at you, and I don't want anyone's hands, some of you may think that Trump is the best president ever, and some think, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this is the end of the world. And the very same people switched sides were like, Obama was the best president ever, and Obama was the end of the world. Whatever it may be, God says, 
Uh, I urge then, first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, including kings and all those in authority. And so I, I would in, encourage you that I think the Bible calls us to be a, a, a people that respect and listen to the government. Um, but that being said, there are times when God's laws, man's laws, contradict what God has specifically told us. Um, and in those times, I have to make the decision that I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. All right, so just a couple of examples. Um, Carrie just got done talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow down to an idol. All right, and, and, and one of the things I note about that is they didn't, they didn't say, hey, we're going to uh, disobey this law, and it's not fair that we have to be subject to this law. They said the law is wrong, we're not going to obey it, and we'll take whatever consequences come. And I think that that's something that's, that's for me, as I was looking at this, that's important. Um, so anyway, so, so you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, a couple chapters later, you have Daniel. And Daniel, the, the king, says, nobody's allowed to pray. One of the things I, I didn't catch until I was uh, getting ready for this was he only said for 30 days. He said, look, for 30 days, nobody can pray to any other god except, except for me. Um, and I thought to myself, man, I think I really would have been tempted to be like, all right, look, God, I'll be back in a month, okay? Um, you know, we're still good, we're still tight, but uh, I, I like my head, so I'll see you in 30 days. It's not even that long. I mean, you know, that's, that's four weeks, that's a month, no, no big deal. But Daniel says, look, that's wrong, I can't do that. And so he refuses to stop praying, and he, and he says that he's going to face the consequences. And so he goes and he gets put in the lion's den. And he doesn't say... You know, he doesn't say to the king, you don't have authority over me. Right? One of the funniest things, I didn't think about this until, one of the funniest things, if you ever go and you Google YouTube, you can look up sovereign citizens. All right? And these are people that when the cops pull them over, they don't have license plates, they don't have driver's license. And they're just like, because they think that, look, the government doesn't have any authority over me. Um, I am not an American citizen. I am my own country and I'm my own everything. And most of them, I'm not, I'm not saying this about all, most of them I think are insane. Like literally, like something's wrong with them. Uh, but it's, it, it can be a lot of fun to watch uh, them interact with police officers. Um, but, so, but, but Daniel doesn't do that, right? He doesn't tell the king he doesn't have authority over him. He says, look, your law contradicts what God says, and so I'm not going to listen to it. And then he faces the consequences. Uh, in Acts 4, Peter and John, uh, they, they, they heal um, a man, and they, they're brought before the Sanhedrin. And in Acts 4.18, he says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak, or teach it all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? But then Lord says, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And so they don't tell the Sanhedrin, who are you? You don't got nothing to say about us, right? You're the judges, but we're gonna do what's right because this is what God says. Acts chapter five, just a little bit later, they, they, they go, so they go back out, they keep preaching, and, guy, and they, the Sanhedrin calls them back in and says, didn't we tell you to stop? Didn't we tell you we were going to hurt you if you didn't knock this off? And Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. But again, at no point does Peter say, look, you guys don't have any authority over us. You guys don't have any rule over us. So there's times when the government or the authorities are going to tell us that there's things that we, that we have to do that God says we shouldn't. Or they're going to tell us that there's things that we can't do that God says we have to. And at that point, it doesn't change the fact that they're the authorities. It doesn't change the fact that we're lucky we live in the United States. But if we go to Egypt, and Egypt, uh, from my understanding, I'm not, a, not an expert on Egypt, okay? But from my understanding is, you can't go to Egypt and proselytize, right? You can't go to Egypt and spread the gospel. Because if you do, they will throw you in jail, they'll kick you out of the country, or worse. And when you go to Egypt, you don't get to say, well, Egypt, you don't, you, you don't have any authority over me. What you, when you're in Egypt, what you say is, I'm going to do it because that's what God told me to do, and whatever the consequences are, that's what I'll face. Um, so there's sometimes when you're in situations where you just have you have to make the choice. I'm going to follow God and do what's right. But the last thing, or but the, the the good thing is that there are times when you can use your submission to the laws and to the government in such a way that it actually helps you to spread the gospel. And so uh, Paul is in, the, in in Acts 16. Paul and Silas. They throw a spirit out of this, out of this girl who, who could tell the future. And uh, this makes, I, I can't remember if she was a slave or if she just worked with some people, but it made a lot of people mad because all of a sudden their moneymaker 
was gone because then all of a sudden she couldn't tell the future and they're ticked off and they rile everybody up and they say Paul and Silas these people are causing trouble and they get them beat up they take get, they get the magistrates to come out and they they beat them and they chain them and they throw them in jail and uh, Paul is a Roman citizen okay now again I'm not a historian but what that means is that they, that Paul unlike I don't know that Silas was a Roman citizen I don't know that Silas had this right but Paul had a right to a trial and so they beat him they chain him they throw him in jail and they find out that Paul's a Roman citizen. They go, oops. <laughs> um, that's not good. So they, they, they let him out. And, uh, you know, this is the, the same time that, that he reaches the Philippian jailer. And they're, they're singing at night. And the, 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 the jail door is open and everything else. And then they, they reach the, the Philippian jailer. The next morning, they let Paul out. And they say, hey, Paul, uh, sorry, sorry about that. We didn't, we didn't know what was going on. Um, and actually, they sent a message to do this, right? They sent a message to say, hey, you guys can go. You guys are free to go. And Paul says, no, uh, I'm a Roman citizen. What you did was wrong. I want the magistrates to come here and personally apologize and escort me out of jail. And one of the things that, as I was reading, is none of this has anything to do with the gospel, right? The, the magistrates come. They apologize to Paul. They ask him, hey, will you leave the city? And Paul leaves. Paul and Silas leave. And so it's not like he's telling, it's not like he's asking for permission to, to stay in the city or, and to keep preaching the gospel or whatever. I do think that it provides some legitimacy, right? If somebody gets arrested, it helps if the, if the government comes and be like, hey, everybody, sorry, we were wrong. <laughs> so for Lydia and the Philippian jailer and everyone who gets stuck, sticks around at the church of Philippi, no one, they don't have to worry about people being like, oh, you're just listening to those crooks, right? So it helps to legitimize them. But Paul agrees to leave. And so... But he says that, uh, you know, look, I'm a Roman citizen, and the law is this, and I get, I, what it tells me is that we are allowed to tell the government that they have to follow their own rules, right? So if the government says this is the way it is, then we get to hold them to that. And, and, and so Paul, Paul does that. And the last thing, you know, just another example, Paul in, in Acts kind of 22 through 27 is kind of the whole story. Paul is, again, he's in Jerusalem, and the Sanhedrin uh, wants to get him arrested, and he goes before uh, the, he's, he's beaten and chained, he's thrown in jail, and again he goes, he tells him I'm a Roman citizen, and he gets to go have a trial before Felix, who's the governor. And Felix hems and haws and, and bides his time, and, and it looks like he's actually becoming a little bit of a friend with Paul, but then he's out of power, and the next thing Festus is there, and Festus says, well look, let's go have a trial in front of the Sanhedrin, or whatever, you know, whatever they say, we'll, we'll, we'll just go with that. And Paul knows that if he goes before the Sanhedrin, right, he knows he's not going to get a fair trial. He knows, because the Sanhedrin is the one that's bringing him up and trying to get him killed in the first place. And so he says, look, I know as a Roman citizen, I have a right to appeal to Caesar, so that's what he does. So I'm not going to go to have a trial there in front of the Sanhedrin. And what's the difference between Peter, who, who, said, who doesn't say to the Sanhedrin, you know how many throw me, and Paul? Paul's a Roman citizen. And so he has rights that are given to him, and he says, look, I'm going to play by your rules, and your rules say I get to, I get to go to Caesar. Uh, and so he does that, and it gives him a chance to... to to preach to Caesar, gives him a chance to preach to governors, it gives him a chance to keep spreading the gospel. And he did it by knowing that he had certain rules that the governments gave him, um, and so he followed them. So. Yeah, and what's crazy in that story is that, like, Paul, I, Felix wanted to let him go, but he's like, well, I can't let you go because you said you're going to appeal to Caesar. So he, like, had to go to, you know, it was like Paul's decision to exercise these rights. And so um, we'll talk a little bit about what the laws say. You know, and I think in our country, Especially in Missouri lately, law our our rights have, have been very confused. You know, especially like we've had lots of I know everybody's if you're not from St. Louis, I know you've seen the, the stuff on TV of the 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 protests and things like that. And you know, it happened at a at a at a journalism school in in uh, the University of Missouri in Columbia, and there's a there's a video of a student like taking notes and and, and documenting kind of what was going on at this rally, and a journalism professor who's like freedom of press, that's her thing, right? She says, you don't have any right to be here, kid. And I believe she took his camera, and this kid's like, man, I'm a journalist student. Like, I'm journalizing, you know, or whatever, you know? <laughs> and so it's, it's crazy that our, a professor at a, at a, at a college would, would, would have that kind of a response. But, you know, and I see that a lot. I do a, a tutoring and mentoring program here at the church, and, you know, bring kids up, and we do meals and things like that. They get on the church bus. And a lot, you know, if, if they don't behave, they'll say, look, man, you're not getting any cake tonight or whatever. You don't get any dessert because of the way you've been acting. Like, you're violating my rights. You know, like, like, you don't have any right. You don't have any right to free cake. You know, like, that's not your right. And so, um, 
So if we're going to exercise our rights, we should at least know what they are. Um, and so does anybody know what right it is, where the source of our, our freedom comes from for the, the, the freedom of religion? First Amendment. Right, yeah. Or God, I guess. I don't know. Probably a better answer. The lawyer answer is First Amendment, but the preacher answer is God. So, um, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it's the First Amendment. My wife's a, te- uh, a, a government teacher, and so she's always saying, oh, these students, they don't know anything about uh, the, the First Amendment. The First Amendment uh, gives us the freedom of religion, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, and the right to petition the government for things that we believe are, are, are legally wrong. And those rights apply to you on your campus as well. They apply to you and your rights to, to be a Christian and to believe whatever it is you believe you want to believe, no matter how crazy or controversial it might be. But it also applies to all the other groups on campus. And you've probably seen that in the, in the, in the news. You know, you've seen the KKK marching down the street. And at first glance, you're like, it should be illegal. Like, those people are nuts and they're violent and stuff. But that's their, that's as crazy as it is. And I mean, I think everyone in our country thinks they're nuts, but that's their right. You know, if they want to do that, that's what the First Amendment protects. Or the Westboro Baptist people, you know, who show up and protest, like, at funerals and stuff. You're like, man, that, I mean, I don't think they should be, you know, but that's, that's what our country allows is that. And thankfully, we're in a country that, that allows um, freedom of speech regardless of the content. And so, and, and I'm, I, I know I've seen that on, on, on college campuses. There, there are some instances where the government can limit that, you know. And when I was at Lindenwood, um, you know, it kind of goes both ways. I, there were some guys that would always come through campus with, like, um, uh, pornographic flyers or whatever, and they're like, hey, we're having a giant strip dance at the strip club or whatever, and here's all the pictures of the ladies, you know? They're like, man, you guys are dirtbags, you know? And they're, they'd throw them all over the ground, and then a few minutes later, the director of student activities, this guy named Eric Click, who I really didn't like. I, I, didn't, I didn't care a whole lot for Eric Click because I felt like he wasn't Steve fair Porter. for us. Remember that. Um, and so, uh, anyway, Eric would come by a few minutes later and he'd say, you know, man, get all campus. You know, you guys haven't gotten this approved. And I'm like, well, what, but my flyer wasn't approved one time. And he's like, yeah, but that way well, you didn't ask me to approve your flyer. You just started passing it out. I'm like, well, man, good point, Eric. Click. So I was glad that Eric was enforcing that rule on campus because I felt like that was fair. Um, but it also applied to the, the, the flyers that we wanted to pass out. So it's important to note that the First Amendment applies differently whether we're talking about the rights of an individual, you know, you as a person, or the rights of uh, like a campus organization. Or, and so uh, you as an individual can have the right to really do about whatever you want. You can believe in whatever you want to, no matter how crazy it might be. You can lead prayers. You can um, share your opinions. You can ask questions in your class. You know, if, if a professor asks something, you're allowed to say, well, I believe this, or I think this, or why not that? You can bring up the Bible, you can invite people to church, you can engage in religious debate and say, look, I disagree with that. Those are your rights. Those are protected by the First Amendment. You can do that. And nobody can generally tell you you can't do that. You know, individually, you can talk to whoever you want to and and say whatever you want to. No college should ever limit you and say, well, you can't talk to people about that. You can't say that. You can't do it. Um, you know, those are your rights. And so, I mean, there's, a, there's like a couple restrictions. There's, there's some limited restrictions on that. You know, you can't threaten people. That's not, you can't threaten somebody. So First Amendment, you know, you can't scream like fire in a crowded theater. It's like First Amendment. You know, you can't, you know, be explicit, like I mentioned earlier with the flyers and stuff like that. You can't interrupt your school functions and classes. You know, we saw that guy a few years ago that was... Uh, I scream and stuff during some college thing, and they, the, the campus security guard comes up and he's like, don't tase me, bro, you know, as they're tasing him, you know, it's like, you can't scream in the middle of things like that, you know, I mean, if you want to, it, that's your right, but you're, you might get tased, you know what I mean, you might get, you might get drug off the Statue of Liberty, you know, if, if, if that's your thing, so, um, you can, you can, you can believe and do and speak as you, as you please, um, and, you know, schools can restrict the time, place, and manner of that, like approving flyers. You know, if you want to pass out something on our campus, you have to ask us in advance, and we want to approve those things. Um, they can't be, you know, just completely discretionary, like, well, you know, it's Tuesday. I don't like Tuesdays. Everybody's denied. Or they can't say, well, you know what, we, we're, we're okay with uh, the Republican group, and you guys can pass out stuff. We're not okay with the Democrat group. You guys can't. Or any organization. You know, it has to generally be fair. Um, those individual rights 
that, that you have to believe and say what you want are different than the rights of a campus organization. Um, you know, an organization is like a recognized body on your campus. You know, and there's, I, I was looking at the list of organizations at, Linden, at Lindenwood. There's a whole bunch. I mean, there's like the chess club, the polo, or I don't know if there's a polo club. You guys probably know what they are. There's a whole bunch of different ones. Some of them are academic, some of them are personal. Some of them are kind of silly, you know? I don't know, I know it's being recorded. Some of your organizations are silly, you know? <laughs> but, uh, so, um, uh, and it's also different between a private college and a state or a public college. Um, the First Amendment rights, like we talked about earlier, don't apply everywhere. You know, you have the First Amendment freedom of speech to go and say whatever you want, but you can't come into my living room and start saying whatever you want, because that's my living room, right? I'm not the government, you know? And here in Missouri, we have the Castle Doctrine, right? So, um, but uh, not that that would happen. Is that a threat? No, <laughs> that's not protected speech. That's not a threat. But, um, but so the First Amendment doesn't apply to private colleges. The idea is if, you, if, you, if you've chosen to go to a private college, you've read the handbook, you've looked at the restrictions, you're agreeing to those restrictions as a student, and if you wanted the, all the protections that come with a public university, you would have chosen to go to a public university instead. And so private universities are governed, private universities are governed by their code of conduct and their rules, and so you have to look at those. Now that doesn't mean that they can do whatever they want to, they have to apply those fairly. So if they have a policy and the poli you know, they have to apply that policy fairly to everybody. They can't say, well this is our policy and it's okay for the frat but it's not okay for the Christian group. Or it's okay for the Republicans, not for the Democrats. It has to be applied fairly. But, but you have to know what those are and presumably, at Lindenwood at least, they're, they're pretty available. You can go on, online and look at the, at the policies and procedures. And, and pull them up pretty easily. So I want to mention that I, I didn't go to a Christian university, okay? Um, so I don't know if this is actually even still something that happens, but I know that at least at one point, Christian universities often said that a requirement of coming to school here is you have to go to chapel here. It's and that, still true. All right, so it's still true, yeah. right? So you still have to go and write. That is, that's not, if, could you imagine if a state-run college said, said to everybody, by the way, if you want to go to SIUE or you want to go to the University of Illinois or University of Missouri, you have to go to chapel, right? There's, that would never fly, right? And it, but, it can, it, but it can happen at a Christian university, just like if you, I don't even know if there are any, but if you went to a, a Muslim university or a Jewish university or a Buddhist university, you have to apply by the rules that, that they set up because you volunteered to go there. Right, and so like Lindenwood is a is a is a private university, and so they have different they have different rules as to as to what they have to allow. Okay, um, and so I think that's a, that's just one of the things we say that because, like I said at the very beginning about how everyone's facts are different, that's why we're not giving legal advice. Some of you go to private universities, some of you go to public universities, some of you go to community colleges, some of you might still be in high school, some of you. Uh, poor souls are out of college altogether and have jobs. Uh, and if your job is not working for the government, you could say whatever you want to, and your employer could be like, that's cool that you believe that, now get out. Because everyone wants to say, hey, wait, well, I have the right to free speech. You do, but you don't have the right to freedom from consequences. And that's, uh, that's one of the things I think is important for us to remember as, as we go forward. So. Yeah, and so the... the uh Student organizations on, on public universities are, are, are different. You know, the, um, you have those, those First Amendment rights. A public university is, is, is operated by government funds and controlled by, essentially controlled by the government. So they have to follow the First Amendment and they have to provide you uh, the rights that we talked about before. There are, they can make restrictions, they can make exceptions, um, but it's, they can't violate what's called like the, the, the general gist is time, place, and manner. They can say, look, you can't, you know, come to the, uh, you know, you can't scream stuff during class, you can't, um, uh, you know, cause a ruckus and things like that, but generally they have to provide you um, those rights. And they also have to provide the First Amendment rights to the student organizations. And so, um, uh, it, so our part of that though is, you know, the school has to uh, give us our, our First Amendment rights and things like that, but we also have to follow the school's procedures, right? We can't just do whatever we want to and say, well, I've got the First Amendment right to do whatever I want to. Maybe you as an individual do, but you as an organization don't. So if, if, if the reason to have a campus organization is to get recognition on campus, but really it's to be able to use campus stuff, right? You, you can get campus money, you can use campus space, you know, you can advertise at campus fairs, you can advert, you know, you can advertise your 
your events and things like that around campus. And maybe you don't want to do that. You know, if you don't want to, you don't have to be a campus organization. But if you do, you've got to follow those procedures, you know. And, um, uh, you know, and so if you, that means that you have to be responsible with it. You know, if you want to have an, uh, uh, for us, it was the root beer kegger. You know, that was our big event whenever I was at campus a long time ago. And we wanted to, sometimes, some years, if I recall right, I, I think actually most of the time when I was there, it was on campus. And so we had to get permission. You know, we couldn't just like drag our kegs in and put, hook them up. It's like, let's all have a party, you know? Probably last for about 20 minutes before Eric Click would come and shut down the party, you know? And he did that. We actually I had a keg in my dorm one day of root beer and we were passing Thanks it out. Thanks for clarifying. It was of root beer. And I, I drug it around, I was passing out root beer. And I think, I can't remember if Eric, I, I remember I gave him some root beer, but I don't remember if he shut me down or not. So, um, <laughs> huh? did he? Yeah. Oh, well, after he took the root beer, that's, that's low. So, uh, yeah. Um, so the bottom line is uh, is that a, a public university, your Christian group should have the same rights as any other group on campus. It has to be applied fairly. They can't pick and choose between one group. Say, well, you know, you can have. A, a, a Republican group or a Democrat group, but you can't have a Christian group. You know, you, it, it, it needs to be applied fairly, and they need to allow and support all of those groups with their, with their First Amendment freedoms. But like I said, you don't have to be a, um, a, a campus organization. You know, like, like Carrie mentioned here, uh, RCM is not a campus organization. They're not, they're not a recognized organization at Lindenwood. They have shirts, they have hats, they do stuff. They, they tell people about it on campus, they advertise for that, all of that is protected by the First Amendment. But they're not an official organization, so they can't have the root beer kegger on campus. You know, they can't advertise at campus fairs without, without permission. And maybe if your organization, if your campus is un uncooperative, if it's just not, you know, if you, if you don't want to take the time to go to all the meetings and do all the things they want to do, don't expect to get campus money and campus funding and campus time, but you don't have to do that. You know, you have the First Amendment freedoms to, to believe and, and reach out to, uh, to people like, like you should. And so uh, finally, we're going to talk about how to live under the law. Um, uh, to do that, I think we have to make sure that we're right. Um, to start with, we have to make changes if necessary. And finally, we have to remember that our purpose is to make disciples. So to make sure we're right, uh, you know, that applies to our both our actions and our attitudes. Um, we as an organization have to know what we want and, and know how to get it. You know, if we want funding for something, then we got to figure out, well, how do I become an organization? What do I have to do to do that? What do I have to do to, to get the funding? Who has to vote? How do I get the votes? Um, if I want to pass out flyers that are approved, how do I do that? You know, you can't, if, it's, if you have to have them approved seven days, then don't show up three days before and then say, I've been discriminated against because I didn't pass out my flyers. It's like, no, that you should have been responsible and gotten your flyer in on time and showed up in the meeting, you know, when you were supposed to. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, it, it sounds really restrictive. And when I was a college student, I thought, man, this is ridiculous. I ought to be able to do whatever I want to. You know, our organization shouldn't have to get approval to pass out this flyer or whatever. But, you know, honestly, as you get older, all of that stuff applies to, to you know, as you, at least in our church, you're in your campus, you're in an adult ministry eventually. And you have, to, you have the same relationship as a church with the government as you do with a student or a student organization on campus. You know, we as a church have... Uh, we've had events at parks. We got the city one time to let us like shut down a, a section of the street and have um, a, a Halloween event on the street. We, we've been able to put up signs and, and advertise around the city. But all of that, we didn't just go put up signs, you know what I mean, because the city would take them down. And so you can't just put up signs. Um, we had to apply and, and request and negotiate. You know, we wanted to shut out the street out here called May Road. And it turns out that's like a uh, emergency access route. So the city's like, well, hey, you can't, we can't shut down May Road because if there's a giant fire, you know, the ambulance is going to be driving through your event. And so we had to work with them on, on getting a permit for a different part of campus. So really learning how to use those, how to, how to interact with the government is something that I think is going to help you as you, as you uh, grow up through your church and as your church grows. And so, and, and also, if you want to change the law, like we're going to talk about in just a second, you have to follow the procedure. You know, that's what, like, I, I, I do uh, personal injury defense. And so a restaurant calls me or a retail business calls me, and they're like, hey, somebody got hurt in our store. They fell. And they're suing us. Well, the first thing I think, well, what's this, how long ago did they fall? Well, they fell six years ago, and they just sued us. Well, hey, that case is out because they didn't follow the procedure. They didn't file within the five years that they have to file, and so they're out. 
And we have the same problem. If we don't follow the procedure, then, you know, you didn't follow the procedure. So, you know, no lawyer is going to take your case because it's a loser. You know, they're going to say, look, we're going to lose. It's not worth our time. We need to, we need to set up better facts for us. And um, uh, I think Jason has a, an example of that, right? Yeah. Well, so, so a couple of things. One is, so, right, we're talking about the action. So he mentioned, just one thing I want to, I want to mention. I know he had it, but they, he started time. But I'm going to mention it anyway. Right, when you're, when you're going specifically about flyers, if you say, hey, I want to go have this flyer approved, um, and this is, again, this is, Lindenwood's private, Lindenwood can probably do whatever they want to, right? Just like if you go to a Muslim school, they can say, no, you're not handing out a Christian document at our Muslim school, okay? Um, I would hope they wouldn't do that, but, but they probably could. Um, but at a public school, when you go have your flyer approved, they can't, the only thing that they can say as far as content that they can't approve is making sure that it's not obscene, making sure it's not, um, a threat, you know, like if you're calling for like a real revolt, like it's one thing, right? right revolution campus ministry, okay? But if you actually are showing up and like, hey, we need to take up arms and, and murder these people, that they're probably not going to approve, okay? Um, but so they check that thing, but they can't, if, if for instance, there's, uh, if you go to any college or university, I'm sure it's like when I was there, uh, on any given day, you're going to have pro choice people and or pro life people, right? And maybe they're there at the same time yelling at each other. But the, the university can't pick a side when it comes to the flyers that are being handed out. Right? They can be like, well, we're going to approve the pro-life flyers, but not the pro-choice, and vice versa. Right? They, can't, they, they can't base their decision as to whether something is approved on the content uh, uh, of it. But so the, 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 so the story I had to go with that is, so that's the general rule. Um, but I, so I, I was, I, on my resume, I am the founder of a cross between campus ministry. Uh, because what happened is before I got to school, we were actually called the Upside Down Christian Ministry, and they had been suspended from, from campus. Now, a lot of times you hear that, and you're like, oh man, a Christian group got suspended from campus, what did they do? Uh, what they did is they didn't go to mandatory meetings, okay? Uh, every, every semester, they said, look, if you're a student organization on campus, you have to come, you have to send a representative to this meeting where we're going to tell you all the rules about how to go to deal with student government and this um, and I don't know if any of you guys know this, but Carrie, especially in his 20s, was not the most responsible person. <laughs> and, so, and so nobody went to that meeting. And, and all you had to do was to show up. You, you didn't have to up. say anything. You yeah. just had to be a warm body in a chair. You know, like. uh, but he didn't show up. And the first time he didn't show up, they were very nice. And they said, hey, look, you're on probation. Show up next time. Next time he didn't show up. Not, and I, I don't know if it was Carrie or right? whoever it was. They didn't show up again. They said, you guys must not be, as, you guys must not be an active student organization anymore because you don't have people show up to these things. Bam, you're gone. So our student organization was gone just like that. Why? Because they were discriminating against us for, yeah. not, for not following the rules. And so we didn't follow the rules. We got kicked off. And that's what happens when you don't follow the rules. All right? So I, so I found, I found we, we decided to change our name anyway. So I, now I'm the founder of a cross between campus ministry. And uh, I get to put it on my resume. I was the president for four years. Nobody cares. Nobody ever, ever once asked me about that on my resume. Um, but so I go there and and I, I find out. Oh well, there's all these rules we got to follow. We got to go to these meetings. We got to go to this. We got to do that sort of stuff. Um, in order to get approved, I had to go deal with the student senate. You know, these like 40 students who don't really have anything else to do with their lives other than. Hey, chill out. <laughs> Maybe I struck a nerve. No. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I, and I had to say, hey, look, we want to be this student organization. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? Well, this is what we're going to do. This is what, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I had, I had to jump through all those hoops. Um, one of the things is, so we talk about the right actions. We also had the right attitudes. Uh, so, so speaking of Ruby Kager, uh, I don't know who we stole that idea from. It was at a CMU type of event before CMU existed. Um, but we heard of another group, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do a Ruby Kager. Uh, and so we're, we did the, uh, uh, we're advertising for Ruby Kager, and I go in to get my flyers approved, and they said, we're not going to approve those flyers. And I was like, why? Well, it has the word Kager on it. And to this day, we, I looked it up the other day at SAUE, if you go to their rules, it says, you cannot have any flyers that says, that has any symbolism or words that implies there may be alcohol involved. Because uh, SAUE is a dry campus. Um, now, mind you, as I was having this conversation with the lady, they were serving old duels out of a Budweiser truck. So... Yeah. I thought it was a little hypocritical, but uh, but I'm having this conversation with this, with the, the director of student uh, organization, and I said, "Hey, I've got these flyers. I want to have. We're going She's like, "Well, can you call? You can't say Kager. Can you call a root beer party?" I was like, "No, nobody's going to come to a root beer party. We're not six. 
right? Um, the cater is the important part of this, all right? Um, and so, but anyway, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow me to, to do the flyers. That's all right, at SAUE, nobody cares about flyers anyway. The best way to advertise at SAUE is chalk. All right, it's chalk on all the on all the, the walkways and that sort of stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, can I chalk? She's like, we can't use the word cater. Dang it. All right. So then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm I used to be smart, and I got this idea, and I came up with an acrostic. Okay, and and so I had to get approved, and I I said root beer kager, and I had all the other details, right? But when I had it approved, I didn't have it written up like I was going to chalk it. I had so I had it all left indent. You know, it's all all over here, and I have it all in one color, and I, and so it's hidden. And I said, here's the words I want to write. And she said, okay, fine, it's approved. So then I go out there and I put root beer kager in blue and then all, everything else in red and it's lined up. And so I tricked her into letting, into, and she came out there, she was saying, I told you not to use that word. I said, look right here. I, that was I, before he became I got, yeah. <laughs> I probably would not try that with a judge. Um, but I said, so, so, I said so I said, look, you approved every word that's down there. And so you, you can't tell me, and, and you know what? And so she's like, look, fine, whatever. Never once in the next four years does she bend over backwards to help me, all right? She wouldn't be mean to me. She wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't tell me no if I was following the rules. But there was times when she would help student organizations, like, here, let me see if I can work with student government, see if I can get you some more money, if I can do that sort of stuff. Never once did she bend over backwards to help me because I obeyed the letter of the law, but I didn't obey the attitude of the law. Right, and and there are times when we're dealing with college campuses that we can be right and be and be buttholes about it. I don't. Am I allowed to say buttholes? <laughs> buttholes. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes we can have First really. <laughs> sometimes yeah. we can, this is a private organization. You guys can shut me down. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, so we can we can be right but we could be wrong at the same time. Yep. And so it's really important if, if you're dealing, if you want to change, if, if you are dealing with an organization that is being hostile to you, you have, you have to be respectful. When you go, even in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, in the song, we won't bow down in a million, million years, yeah, right? In the verse, look, King Nebuchadnezzar, we respect you, but we're not doing that, right? I don't, I don't get the impression that they were rude to the king, yeah. all right? I, they were firm. And they weren't bending down, but they weren't rude to them. And so I think it's really important that we make sure that we have a, a good attitude. As it goes back to, to those verses, he says, look, be peaceful, be gentle. And, and when, you're, when you're going with these people, remember, well, this is one of the things you're going to talk about at the end, too, is remember, those are people you're supposed to be reaching out to, too. Um, and so you don't want to tick them off. So, oh, yeah. So, so anyway, so make changes as necessary. How much time we got? Uh, is this thing that... Oh, we got 10 minutes? Oh, we got plenty of time. All right, so here's the deal. There's going to be some times where you run into things, you might have to make changes, all right? You might run into a situation where the school is, is being hostile to you, or they're telling you you can't do something that you know you should be able to do, all right? And so what do you do? First thing, this is, man, every, as a lawyer, we all know every story has two sides, all right? Actually, there's three sides. There's, there's this person's side, there's this person's side, and there's the truth, okay? Um, and so one of the things is, the, one of the first things that I would encourage you guys to do, if you hear something, you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. Clarify the policy, okay? Find someone to find out if that's right. I remember one time Kerry called me and he said, hey, look, I need you to talk to the school. Um, there's a girl in the dorms who's trying to have a Bible study. And, and by Bible study, I don't mean like she's having 30 people. or I mean like a one-on-one -on -one Bible study. And her RA is telling her that they can't do that. Um, so I called. So I called. And I, said, and I called. Um, I can't remember what the lawyer's name at Lindawood. But anyway, so I called him. I said, hey, look, we got some problems. And there were some other issues that I was dealing with too. And I said, and on top of that other stuff, Look, you've got RAs telling people that they can't have individual Bible studies in the dorms. He's like, that's not our policy. That's not the rule. Okay? So what that is, is that's not, that's not the school going after you. Okay? That's an RA who doesn't know what they're talking about. And have you guys ever run into RAs that don't know what they're talking about? No. I'm sure it never occurs, right? Um, and so, or, or, you know, it's like, it's like when um, uh, a, few, a few months ago, Starbucks had, had a couple guys there that were waiting for a business meeting. And the manager was like, uh, that looks suspicious. Get out of here. I'm going to call the cops, right? Because and Starbucks is like, whoa, that's not our policy. We don't throw people out just because of what they look like, all right? Um, and so sometimes you just have to clarify, like, okay, this is what happened. Is that what's real? And if it's not, then hopefully it's something you don't have to worry about. You bring it to their attention, they, they, they deal with it, and it goes on. 
Sometimes that might really be the policy. Yeah, that's our policy. You can't, you can't have a Bible study with, with, in, in the doors. Now, I don't know if anyone would ever actually hold that, but let's say that that, that really is their policy. So what are you going to do, right? There's a couple, so there's some things that we would, we would say to you that, that we might recommend that you might try to do. One, you might have to go get, you have to start working on getting that policy changed. And how do you do that? Well, if you're a student and you want something changed on your, on your campus, one of the best ways to do it, well, I don't know about best ways, but one of the good ways to do it is to go to your student senator <laughs> and say, hey, this is a stupid policy. We'd like to see it changed, right? And it doesn't matter if you're talking about something that's got to do with Christianity or if it's, hey, did you know that our school doesn't recycle? We should recycle, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, you see something on your, on your organization, on your campus you want to change, deal with student government, let them, let them be pains in the butts for, for the college uh, people and, and, and that sort of stuff. Let them see if they'll work with you. If they won't, maybe you go to your faculty advisor and say, hey, professor so-and-so, did you know this was going on? And, and if your professor is someone that's, we, we were talking, we've, we both had both organizations uh, when I was in it and when he, when he did it, had advisors who were like, look, I'll sign my name on whatever you need me to sign it on, but I'm not involved, I don't care, right? But then there's sometimes there's faculty advisors that do care and that they will get involved. So maybe your faculty advisor can, can go and pull some strings for you. Um, maybe you need to go talk to a provost or a dean or chancellor or whatever they call them on your campus. Say, hey, look, this is what's going on. This needs to change. And all those things, maybe, I, I, as a lawyer, I hate this idea, but maybe you need to go get the media involved, right? Be like, hey, look, you know, hey, Channel 5, Channel 4, whatever. Did you know this is what's going on at this university? That sort of stuff. Um, and then if it's, if it's, if it's significant, then maybe, maybe if none of those things work, then you might have to get courts and lawyers and, and that stuff involved. Um, and the problem is that that's expensive and it's not cheap or easy. And in the end, like I said, a lot of times you can win a lawsuit and all it does is just cause a lot of animosity and stuff like that. And you might win and now you can have your, whatever it is you're looking for on campus. And again, the schools just, they're never gonna help you with anything, right? They'll be like, hey, look, we'll, we'll follow the rules, go have your meeting. But don't ask us for money, don't ask us for this, don't ask us to help you at all, um, and we're certainly not going to listen to you. So, but it's, but it's, those are the ways, if you have things, you know, you got to go, you kind of got to go up the chain. Start, start small and, and work and then, your way up. And there's lots of, like, you know, Jason said, it's really expensive. Most, most organizations don't have a lot of money, so you're not going to be like, hey, we're going to go hire a law firm with our, you know, campus organization, you know, $5 that we charge at the, at the <laughs> CMU workshop or whatever, you know. So, uh, but there are, if you, if you, there's like the Alliance Defense Fund or the, the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you go to Google and just type in like religious freedom defense, there's a lot of organizations that provide a lot of materials that, that, um, that also provide a lot of support and that may t essentially take your case and start communicating to the college for you and or uh, file a lawsuit if they believe that's appropriate. Well, that's it. Before you, before you finish, the one thing I forgot. Something else you might need to change. You might need to change your organization. And then Chandler kind of mentioned this, and this is what, this is what they had to do at Linden, where they said, look, then we're not going to be a student organization here on campus. We'll go do things at, unofficially. And, and there are downsides to that. You don't get money. You don't get to use certain resources, that sort of stuff. But there's also some upsides. So or you might change. One of the things is, have you all heard of the, uh, the case of uh, there was a Christian Legal Society, and they wanted to have a, was it a Muslim? Or, uh, they wanted to have somebody, and somebody wanted to be in leadership, wanted to be elected, who wasn't a Christian said, I'm not a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian, but I want to be uh, the president of the Christian Legal Society. And I know that doesn't make any sense, okay? Um, but so sometimes you might have to change your organization and say, well, wait a minute, um, we're going to make sure that, uh, hey, look, if you want to be the president of this thing, you have to be a member for four years, or, or whatever it might be. There might be some things that, that you can do into your organization that changes things that, that then applies the rules without, without compromising yeah. And, and a lot of times if, if, we're, if, if we get in this debate with our professors or with people at, at the school or whatever, we end up with this like us versus them attitude. You know, it's like, man, I'm trying to do my ministry stuff and these people are keeping me down, you know, and we, we forget um, that our, our real purpose is to try to make disciples, you know, and, and it's really not. I mean, sometimes there is a battle going on. But if you look at the example of, you know, like Jason mentioned, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or Paul as he's talking with Felix and Agrippa. You know, he's respectful the whole time. He's, and, and actually, if you look at what Paul said to Felix and Agrippa, he's supposed to be defending himself. And he's, he's like, you know, Paul, this is your opportunity to defend yourself. And so he starts giving this speech to Felix and Agrippa, 
He's kind of defending himself, but he's like trying to convert them is what he's doing. He's like preaching the gospel to them. And even Felix tells him like, Paul, you're not going to convert me, man. Get on with your defense. And Paul's like, no, no, I got to tell you about, about, about Jesus, you know. And so that's what we have to remember is that's really our purpose. And there's lots of examples of that. You know, like if you think of like, uh, like Daniel, when, when Daniel said, look, I'm not going to bow down to this. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to I'm still going to pray to my God. And, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, the king just threw him in the lion's den. Like if you read the story, that's not what happened. The king, unfortunately, the king couldn't change the law, but the king was very supportive of Daniel. And the, I believe the reason was, was because Daniel had a godly attitude towards the king. Even when he said, look, I'm still going to pray. I'm not going to bow down, whatever it is. He was still um, respectful, faithful to God and, and godly in the way that he did it. And so that's what I think we have to remember in the, in the course of all this stuff is our purpose is to make disciples, whether it's the people we want to invite to our event, whether it's the people that we want to um, to have Bible studies with, but it's also the people that we're engaging with on the student body or the student organization or our faculty advisors. And think about what your campus would be like if you're able to reach those people, you know, where those people become, become your allies in, in, in this, in, uh, in, in, in reaching uh, your campus for Christ. So um, uh, why don't I pray and then we'll, um, if you have questions, we're happy to talk with you about it. Um, um, and then we can go move on. Is that, you have anything else you want to Nope. Do? Sounds good. Okay, let's pray. Um, God, uh, God, it's it, it's awesome, God, for us to be in a in a country, God, where we can talk about what our what our freedoms are, God. Um, you know, Jason mentioned earlier um, uh, Egypt, God, and there's so many places in the world, God, that we we couldn't even have this meeting. You know, we couldn't have a church building, we couldn't even really talk about what our rights may or may not be, God, because they wouldn't even be there. And God, it's. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in what our rights are and what they aren't, God, but help us to remember, God, that our real purpose is in serving you, God, and help us not to, um, God, to be afraid of what might happen or uh, afraid of, um, uh, God, the, the, the organizations that, that, that might want to keep us down or the people that are against us, God, but help us to stand up, God, to be brave and courageous, God, and confident um, uh, in, in you, God, and in the, in the power and, uh, and God, in the confidence you give us. And God, it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.